Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. So a big new trend in the world of ski equipment is the boification of ski boots. And I'm sure a lot of you are out there wondering what in the world is going on here? Why is this a thing? How did this become a thing? And what should we make of it? And so, Atomic's Matt Manzer is back on Gear 30 for the 832nd time to talk a bit about the BOA backstory here and also to dive into Manzerian detail about the new Atomic Hawks Ultra XTD boot, the new Hawks XTD Mimic Professional Liner, and also some improvements to Atomic's Mimic Professional Liners in general. And we talk about the entirely new Atomic Backland XTD boot. So yeah, this is a long one, but a very good one. And honestly, any self-respecting ski equipment dork has to, I think, listen to this one to start getting a handle of, again, how in the world this coming season became the year of BOA. Now, we've got a couple related notes here. Our first look and flash review of the new Hawks Ultra XTD should be up on our website by the time you are hearing this. Uh, Blister reviewer Dylan Wood and I now have several days in the boot, so become a Blister member to check out that flash review and all of our other flash reviews. And if you are not yet a Blister member, well, now would be a really good time to become one since we are about to drop a ton of flash reviews with our initial impressions on a whole bunch of new gear a lot of which we can't quite talk about yet, but it is coming fast, folks. So become a Blister member, get access to all of our initial impressions on all this new gear, and in addition, you will get a ton of discounts on gear, as well as discounts to things like the Blister Summit, as well as access to the next thing I want to tell you about, our next Blister Happy Hour. So, Blister Happy Hour, what is that? Currently, we are doing these every other week-ish. We made an exception this time around because our next Blister Happy Hour is going to be this coming Wednesday because I'm actually going to be in Austria with Matt Manzer. And so we thought we would hold off, do our happy hour then, and as we say in this conversation, that will be a chance for you to pepper Matt with any and all questions, criticisms, concerns, whatever that you still have if I didn't already address that question in this conversation. So, Blister Happy Hours, these are live streams. They are only for our Blister members. And if you go to our website, to the Blister member clubhouse area, you will find a link for this next happy hour, which is January 25th, Wednesday, January 25th. And that is going to be taking place at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time 
otherwise known as 11 p.m. Austrian time. So, you know, Matt and I will be just totally bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Now, another note. You know that we've been doing this crashes and close calls segment on Gear 30. And in this episode, I had Matt Manzer share one of his crash stories. But I just want to send you a reminder that if you write in with your own crashes and close call story, and if I read it on the air, well, then we will send you a blister shirt for your efforts. And we look forward to collecting more and more of these. Hope we get some ones that are funny. And we hope we get some ones where we really, there are close calls where you avoid horrendous fates. It's all good, but hit us up, write us in. If I read it on Gear 30, we're going to send you a blister shirt. So share your stories, folks. Furthermore, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by the Skiers Sports Shop. Established in 1963, the Skiers Sports Shop is one of the oldest ski shops in Edmonton, Alberta. Started by a local hockey star, George McAvoy, it's still owned and operated by his son and daughter. The Skiers Sports Shop carries a large selection of skis from brands like Armada, Atomic, Black Crows, Faction Head Icelandic, K2, Line, Moment, and Nordica. And they also carry outerwear and apparel from Strafe, Patagonia, Arcteryx, Spider, and more. And for boots, they carry junior and adult ski boots from K2, Nordica, Full Tilt, Atomic, and Head, with snowboard boots and bindings from K2. Almost all of the products available in the store are also available online at skierssportshop.com, and that includes some great sale items. The Skiers Sports Shop keeps their website up to date with their current supply, and they ship within North America. Now, in terms of services, the Skiers Sports Shop offers waxing, tuning, mounting, binding adjustments, and boot fitting services. And for Blister members, the Skiers Sports Shop offers 20% off all services, including tunes, binding mounts, and boot fitting. So head into the Skiers Shop and tell them we sent you, or check them out online at skierssportshop.com, and we'll include a link to the website in the show notes of this episode. This Year of Boa episode is also presented by OpenSnow. Open Snow is the weather app that I and many, many people in the snow sports world trust and use every day. I am a subscriber, and you, if you aren't already on Open Snow, well, good news, we have an exclusive offer going. Everyone in the Blister audience can go to opensnow.com slash blister and sign up for a free trial of Open Snow where you can check out all of the features and reports and everything they have going on there. And this is absolutely no-brainer territory, folks. So go to opensnow.com slash blister, check out this app, and I have a hunch, once you do, you're probably going to become a paying subscriber like me, because it's really damn good, which is why I trust it and use it every day. So there you go. And speaking of open snow, 
Open Snow's founder, Joel Gratz, is going to be at our upcoming Blister Summit. So if you would like to meet Joel, hear him on a panel session, go ski with Joel, or maybe you feel like, I don't know, going skiing with Hoji or McKenna Peterson, or Wendy Fisher, or Chris Davenport, or Luke Kappa, sexy freaking Luke. Well, you're going to be able to do all of that, as well as demo a ton of ski and snowboard equipment from, well, we are officially at too many brands to name. So that is why we will include in the show notes of this episode a link to the Blister Summit, or just go to our website, But folks, this is seriously shaping up to be a wildly cool event. So get yourselves to Mount Crested Butte, Colorado, February 12th through the 16th. And as I've said before, I'm guaranteeing this is going to be one of the best weeks of your entire ski season. There, I said it. And with that, let's now jump in to my latest conversation with Matt Manzer. Here we go. All right. Well, unbelievably, it's Matt Manzer once again. Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. I actually just hopped on this call and you were there by surprise. So I was like, well, okay, I guess we'll talk about some boot stuff. Um, Well, I've been waiting since yesterday. That's when I first hopped on. That's true. That's, is that why that bottle is so low that you have there? Um, yes, we were, we were going to record this yesterday. We decided against that, but then talked for about an hour anyway about this conversation, which means I think this, this is probably going to be the best conversation we've ever had. This is all the prep. I forgot what we wanted to talk about yesterday, like the prep for the prep. First of all, I think we need to do a beverage check. So what okay. do you currently have? Uh, I just finished a coffee mm. for one. Tried to get my mind awake a little bit after dinner because it's late here. Cause we're... It's not late. It's 8 p.m. And you made me record That's this late. earlier today. It's a is, school night, dude. Which is why I didn't go so, skiing, which the last time that happened was Cody Townsend did that to me. And it, I was angry all through the podcast, but I'm going to try to be nicer in this one. Nice. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So now that I've I've had my coffee, I'm relaxing now and in a wonderful discussion with you Mm. and i poured myself a a wee little dram of a bunahaben 10 year old which is not normal for bunahaben so this is a whiskey talk for a second people um this is a independent bottling of bunahaben oh yeah yeah so this is something the bunahaben doesn't release it's a random single cask 10 year old first fill sherry butt and uh, it's quite tasty. I'm liking it a lot. Hmm. It's good stuff. By the way, if people haven't listened to the amateur hour about scotch that you and I recorded, they really need to do that. I think. I think it was good. Anyway, you dropped a lot of knowledge in that amateur hour conversation. That's fun. Lie. We have a part two coming up at some point on that. Maybe. Um, yeah. My beverage check. Um, I'm drinking water at the moment because I have a cold. And I just went down to try to get some sort of Dayquil-esque type product for this podcast to hopefully sound slightly better. And they were all out of that, but they had some like hippie looking like kids daytime like cough suppressant thing. 
that was like twice as expensive as just like Dayquil. So that's what I'm on. And it says nice. it's for children over the age of six years old. So I think I qualify. Qualify by a couple years. And uh, there was no dyes in it. So it was, it was like, I don't know what flavor it is, but it's like clear. That's what I'm on. Water and that at the moment. Do you feel good? Uh, How long ago was it that you took that? I, sh- I like shot it in my car on the drive back up. Uh, That's smart. Like, yeah. I, like maybe 30 minutes ago. Okay. I don't know. We'll so see. So, there's a good chance it's affecting you right now. Mm-hmm. You, you look cogent. And... <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. One more beverage update. I think I'm buying a new coffee maker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, you and I both have a Yura A1? I don't know what. So, my girlfriend Alba, the the Yura that we have is hers, but it recently has kind of started going on the fritz. It's like 15 years old. Oh, you it's probably made a million coffees by now. Okay. We might have, we'll, um, we might do this at another time, but we, I might try to, I got my eye on something else right now. What are you eyeing? Well, a Breville Barista okay. Pro Express or Breville Barista Express. I don't know, something like that. But You should get the Pro one. Just because Pro? It's better. But yeah, the, the Yura, I cannot figure out how to make it to make actually good espresso. Hmm. And turns out, I just like it as concentrated as it's possible. It's just too many buttons for you or? No, it just, it's maybe not its forte. So okay. we, we might be switching things up here. Anyway, we'll talk Which about that. True. We'll talk about yeah. that on a different conversation. But if yours is on the, on the Fritz, mm-hmm. we, um, we maybe should, you know, get the same thing and then we can. Yeah. Review. You buy the same, like we buy the same thing. Mm-hmm. Not, not in one. Not one that two. we share while you live yeah, in exactly. Australia. I, I make a coffee and I ship it back to you. You make a coffee. Right. No, that not that. Work. Anyway, um, let's see. Last bit of news. I'm actually going to be seeing you. This will air on Friday, whatever day that is. Um, we're recording Tuesday, January 17th. This will go out mm. on Friday, whatever. And 20th, then I'll see you typically. like two or three days later. Yeah, we should probably just record this in Austria, huh? Well, no, because today, Friday, which I think is actually January 20th, maybe the children's cough syrup isn't kicking in just yet this is going to be a weird discussion people but um today is global boa coming out party in the entire freaking ski world and that's why we couldn't wait till i'm in austria shortly we didn't want to be the last of the party well we We just the people the people need to know there's a lot of pressing questions here not that not that anyone would think that given that we just spent seven minutes talking about scotch and children's cough syrup and whatever else but but uh this is it i mean honestly this is one of the arguably weirder developments in the ski industry is that suddenly boa is everywhere boom boom gonna be a thing we talk about for sure also just for the record i just mentioned i'm coming to austria we got way more snow right here in crested butte we have Real good conditions right now. So I already kind of yelled at you about this and threatened to cancel the Austria trip. My God, it's good right now. Yeah, right now, um, pretty much Europe isn't known for having snow. Yeah. You can, we could probably go golfing when you come yeah. over here, mountain biking, trail running. It's unfortunately a pretty sad state of affairs in the ski and the amount of snow that's on the yeah. ground right now. Uh, we're rooting for you, Europe. We like it when Europe has good snow. We really need it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we mentioned Boa. Matt Manzer. What Hi. is happening over there at Atomic? What are you unveiling today? 
So we are talking about what's new and exciting for the 23-24 collection of boots for Atomic. This is the time of year when things get seen online. Retailers are placing all their orders for uh, next year's goodies. So everybody's naturally seeing pictures get posted on the interwebs of this, that, and the other thing. So what I would like to do is have like a little conversation about two brand new boots mm-hmm. that Atomic is bringing to market for next season, for the 23-24 um, winter season. And one of the more exciting boots, or the part of the boot we'll start out with, is a brand new Hawks Ultra Extended. And then there we will also talk about another brand new boot in the range, the Backland Extended. So Hawks Ultra Extended, we're going to talk about Generation 2, right, of one of our more fun boots. And Backland Extended is a brand new boot we've never had before. So that's fully, fully brand new. Mm-hmm. Which might bring us to the question of when to keep and when to change names of products. Yeah. It's an age-old question. Maybe. It's an age-old question. It's tricky. It is you tricky. Um, okay, yeah. let's talk about this new Hawks Ultra Extended that I'm holding in my hand. So, yeah, you have it in your hands now, which he didn't yesterday. This is just, just he yeah. got real mad at me yesterday because I wasn't actually holding it in my hands. I was well, like, I dude, that's real OCD. Well, podcast. I know, we've been skiing them. We're not going to talk about that, though. We're saving that because yeah. I want a couple more days and we'll drop a flash. Actually, I should say that. I think we'll have a flash review up on Friday of the Hawks Ultra Extended at least. Um, so, mm-hmm. check the website for that, folks. Okay, so yes, I'm holding the boot. In hand. In hand. New Hawks Ultra Extended. Talking about the name. We've kept the name the same. And... For the record, it wasn't so much about the Hawks Ultra Extended. It was more the question of the backland. Sure. Okay. Which I might have an answer to. Okay. But this is still a good point. It's the second generation of a product. We didn't want to bring out a new name for it because there's a lot of history to it. People know when I say Hawks and Ultra and Extended, there's three things that come to mind in terms of fit, geometry, and features that are on the boot, right? And you're going to be seeing some things that look very familiar with the new Hawks Ultra Extended, and then some things that are quite different. And so maybe we talk about some of the, the similarities first, like things we didn't really change on purpose, uh, before we start talking about the super wow new. First thing would be the last. So this is the same exact last that we had before. That means it is a low volume, 98 millimeter fit in size 26. So not as tight as our Redster offerings, but definitely lower volume and narrower than our Primes and Magnas in the range. And while the metal shape of the last is the same, there are some fit improvements that we're going to be talking about because of the other changes that have happened in terms of plastics and liners. For this. So when I say the last is the same, it gives you a, a really good indication of, okay, we didn't change too much, but there have been some nice evolutions and tweaks along the way. So if you did like the original Hawks Ultra Extended, you're still going to. There's just going to be some nice little evolutions in its fit that just make it more better than before. 
Hey, this maybe should be the part where we do the public service announcement about last width and sizes, right? Sure. So you want to you wanna go through that for 30 seconds or so? Yep. So when you hear Atomic or any boot brand, honestly, talk about a millimeter measurement to a last width, we are talking about that millimeter width across the ball of the foot on size 26 or on a reference size, which is most often, most commonly size 26. So Hawks Ultra or Hawks Ultra Extended, they are 98 millimeters wide across the ball of the foot in size 26. But as you go up in size, the last is getting wider. And as you go down in size, the last is getting narrower, lower volume, etc. And the scaling that tends to happen is a, a two millimeter reduction in four foot width. Everything is changing uh, on the last, but that's usually the, the first thing that gets usually referenced besides the actual size and length of it. Okay. So as you go down to size 25, it's a 96 millimeter last width. As you go up to size 27, it's a 100 millimeter last width, but that is still considered narrow no matter what size you're on. And that's not just how ski boots are made. That is how footwear in general is constructed from street shoes to dress shoes to hiking boots, whatever. All kind of follows that same architecture. So Hawks Ultra Extended Generation 2 has the same last width, the same geometry, the same cuff height. Um, a lot of the, the nuts and bolts about the fit are the same. But one of the biggest differences that you're going to see in this boot is a move away from PA plastics. So we used to use Grillamid in the 130 and in the 120 uh, models on the men's side, for example. And this was done as a weight savings uh, maneuver primarily to get the boot to a certain weight target. And one of the, the best ways to achieve a weight target is by switching plastics because a PA plastic like Grillamid is you know, in the area of 25% lighter than a PU of the same volume. So it's a pretty big weight reduction that you can do just by changing out materials. So PA plastics uh, are nice and light. They do have a progressive flex, but they tend to be on the springier side of that progressive spectrum. Uh, they're not very damp. There's not a lot of suspension to those plastics. So if you are skiing in the backcountry in soft snow, it's a really good option because they're just so light while still being powerful. But if you're skiing in the resort, using chairlifts and just busting out laps all day long, which most people tended to do with the, the Hawks Ultra Extended, that mm -hmm. wasn't a pure touring boot. Yep. It was definitely something people used primarily in the resort. And if you are primarily in the resort, it does benefit you to have a boot constructed from polyurethane plastic PU. It's going to be a little bit heavier, but it's also going to be more damp. It's going to have a smoother flex. It'll mute out more just chatter res uh, associated with the resort that tends to happen there um, it, and be more durable at the same time. So especially if you think of like the binding area interface of the boot that integrates and fits into your bindings, PA boots, depending on which PA is selected, there's a, a wide variety. You've probably seen a lot of touring boots get chewed up 
from using traditional alpine clamp style bindings. And that's just one of the side effects of a PA plastic. It's really good in certain instances, but the more you spend your time in the resort, which is what where most Hawks Extended customers, skiers were spending their time, it's bet you're better off having a, a boot made from PU. So, question, why wasn't the original Hawks Ultra Extended made out of PU? Hmm. Hmm. Great question. When we launched this boot, being excited about free ride and free ride touring, there was a, a very strong focus on, on being light, while at the same time trying to hit that perfect unicorn of 130 flex, progressive flex, you know, um, one boot to rule them all yeah. type of thing. And it did a really good job of that if you were using it as like a, a true 50-50 boot. But again, more people just were using it in the resort. And when right. you say that, how do you know that? Was that retailer feedback? Was that surveys sent out? I mean, what gives you that sense? Or is this sort of a, we had the sense? Or like, no, we have kind of data on that. Uh, loose yeah. data, yeah. you know, like um, talking with retailers, talking with skiers, yeah. you know, like if anybody sees me, I'm usually on like every skiing forum known to man. Um, just chatting with people about what, how they're using the boot, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, and just finding out where and how it's being used, right? And when we were like realizing that a lot of people were using the first generation in the resort, and we were like, it's probably better to make this boot out of PU, the plastic was right on the borderline of being too thin for a PU 130 flex like check mark, let's just say. So when we made it out of our stiffest PU, it actually got softer. So, and we couldn't put, we didn't feel good about still calling it a 130. Say that again, when you made it out of your stiffest PU. Did yeah. you say stiffest or thickest? Stiffest. Yeah, not thickest. Y'all can- Did I say thickest? No, I don't think you did. We're just clarifying. Okay. Plus, I'm right. on child's cough syrup medication. Plus, you're all, you're, I'm drinking scotch and you're hopped up on yeah. children's Dayquil. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What do you expect out of me? This is going to be a weird one. <laughs> yeah. So, even with our stiffest PU, given how thin the plastic is. So, remember on our previous podcasts, one of the 26 that we've done yeah. so far on ski boots, um, the flex you feel is a result of plastic type, plastic hardness, and plastic thickness. And given how thin the original Hawks Ultra Extended was, when we made um, the boot out of our stiffest PU, we were like, okay, it's maybe a 120, if we're honest, right? It definitely got softer than a full PA 130 that it was and has been. So we kept it in PA um, just for that reason, just so we didn't make it even softer for people. And we knew this boot was coming. Um, of course, everything got delayed with, with the pandemic and COVID, so it would have been coming a little bit earlier. But here we are now. And the new Hawks Ultra Extended second generation is a full PU shell and cuff, which is honestly quite unique in this 50-50 hybrid crossover world. You're seeing a lot of other brands use a PU shell, but they use a PP cuff or a PA cuff, or a PBAX cuff to still try to save some weight where they can. 
And part of what you're going to see as we talk about the sole construction in the lower part of the shell, the weight savings we have and how we've built the shell allowed us to kind of put that to better use, right? We didn't need to try to save weight on the cuff with a different, less progressive, less durable material. So we went full PU on the cuff and the shell. What this also means in terms of fit is that when you inject a ski boot in a mold and you take the boot out of the mold, every plastic shrinks just a little bit. And PA plastics shrink more so than PUs. So even though the metal last is the same, just taking this boot out of the mold dimensions that we that we wanted to keep, you're gaining just a smidgen of extra length out of this boot, for example. So people who have tried it on have said, wow, it actually feels roomier in the toe box, huh. much like a regular Ultra feels. And that's the goal. So what, we, what the magicians in our mold department do is they, they build into the molds a shrinkage rate. So we have in our heads, we knew we weren't going to make this boot in PA anymore. We're going to make it in PU. And the mold is fully designed and developed with a PU shrinkage rate in mind. We're not trying to have PAs and PUs come out of the same mold, which is how you get really different fits within a range of boots. So this boot, in terms of length, heel width, instep height, toe box height, really matches the regular Hawks Ultra, which is also a full PU boot, even better than before. Let's talk weights for a minute. I want to see how good you are because I have my measured weights of the Hawks Ultra Extended 130 BOA right here in my hand. Ooh. Tell me the weight of a the current year, or you can say 2324, I guess, if you want, but I want to see oh. how good you are. 2324, the BOA version is actually heavier than the buckle version. Mm-hmm. By a few grams, and it's right around 1,830-ish. It depends if you measured that weight with spoilers. That's right. In it. Wow. Matt, yeah. Matt, that was good. You get like an A-plus for that. You were, you were spot on. Our, our weights of, a, of the 26.5, we have just the shell plus the liner, 1,791. If you add the spoiler, that's 41 grams, mm-hmm. bringing us right into your 1,830 range. Hmm. There you go. Look at you. Finally. It's like some, I knew. Something professional out of your mouth for It's once. like I weighed it <laughs> and remembered. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> previous, previous version, how much was the previous buckled Hawks Ultra XTD? Ooh, and I'm so going to look this up on our first, website. The, the first generation. So, when we came out with this boot, it was the 130 was a full PA boot with a very lightweight like touring oriented liner. And I think it was like 1,420 grams in a 26.5, something around that. And then when we changed out the liner over the, the next coming years, eventually settling on a Mimic Platinum, like a full Alpine construction liner, I want to say it was something around 1,650, something like that, like mid-1600s. A PA shell and cuff, but with an Alpine build liner. And now we're into the, the 1800s mm-hmm. as a full PU boot. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at our review of the 1920 
Pox Ultra Extended Shell Plus Liner is about 1410. Mm -hmm. If you add the spoilers, you're at 1437. So yeah, we're up, I mean, 400 grams up. And that's kind of where a lot of things are settling is in this 1800-ish gram for this category of boot, you know, call it a 50-50, half Alpine, half Touring, crossover hybrid, what have you. And that was just kind of where the chips landed. It wasn't like we said, let's make an 1800 gram yeah. boot. It's just make it out of full PU. We're going to add weight with certain other things as well. And we're just going to see where it lands. It's, it's now it's stop trying to make a lightweight boot and just make it how we want to make it and just let the kind of chips fall where they may. This might be a good time. Not that we're going to keep talking about it, but just maybe to remind people, we're about to talk about a atomic backland boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep that as well. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Back to Hawks Ultra Extended. Yeah. So people who like the fit of Hawks Ultra Extended are going to be really happy with this. It's going to feel very much at home to them. Um, so no big changes in terms of that. People who are wanting a more stable, more supportive boot are definitely going to be liking what this is bringing to the table because not only did we make the change from PA to PU, but we really beefed up the wall thickness in the lower shell and in the cuff. So when you look at the just the industrial design of the boot, you're going to see a lot more reinforcement in that cuff pivot area. Uh, much like we did on the regular Hawks Ultra, you know. So if you know our our current Alpine range, um, this shouldn't be a huge surprise when you you see the new Hawks Ultra extended and how much it looks like Hawks Ultra, mm-hmm. right? So we're just bringing those learnings over, um, modifying them ever so slightly, just for it's a little bit of a different construction. But you're going to see a lot of similarities between regular Hawks Ultra and Hawks Ultra Extended now. You're going to get a more stable boot. So when you're skiing through, you know, soft chop, hard chop, ripping groomers, this boot will have much more integrity to it than than before. So whatever, you know, you encounter in a resort from soft snow to hard snow and everything in between, this is built to handle all of the resort funness that you can throw at it. Maybe this is where I'll insert a little uh, teaser for our upcoming flash review. Dylan Wood was like, yeah, initial impressions kind of skis like a Cochise, which coming from me at least is very high praise. There you go. Because that's the only boot I previously said I felt comfortable skiing in bounds, boot with a walk mode. So I don't want to say anything about this yet um, because I want more Mm -hmm. time a being both, but that will be a marker, an important marker, as it should be for some people. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously we had that boot in mind too when we were building this. But the the real boot we had in mind when building this boot was the regular Hawks Ultra. Yeah. Right. So if Dylan said, hey, this is like a lot like the Hawks Ultra, that would have been more that's appropriate. Not, that's, not Dylan. He, that's not what he said. Jeez. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Technica's Kochi's, um, Lang's XT3, low volume you know, boots in this category that, you know, stopped playing the weight game and started focusing on skiing performance, you know, this will feel right at home and hopefully better than those boots because it's a PU cuff as well. Like that's, I can't stress how important that is 
like no brand would be making an all mountain, you know, fixed cuff boot with a PP cuff. They're always going to use a PU cuff and shell for their 130. Hmm. And that's probably one of the bigger distinctions that we have versus the rest. And again, trying to make this fit and ski just like a regular Hawks Ultra 130. Got it. Where are we going next? Related to the kind of weight target and skiing performance, you're going to notice that we, we still have a glued-on sole to this boot. And this was done for a couple of reasons. Um, primarily to keep the weight low enough to allow us to have a PU cuff. If you wanted to make a boot with screwed-on replaceable soles, this adds a lot of weight to the bottom of the boot that doesn't bring any stability to it, for example. So you just have this, this weight associated with the, the ease of replaceability, which for sure is a thing. But because you wanted to kind of just keep pushing the boundaries on, on this category of boot, we decided to stick with a glued-on rubber sole, which is still technically replaceable. There are you know, a smattering of shops that do replace soles like tele boots, mountaineering boots, touring boots you know, that have full glued on rubber soles. Um, so we do sell rubber soles for all of our Hawks Ultra extended boots over the, the years, as well as backlands. They can be replaced should you wear them out. So just side note to remember, but this allows us to one, bring the stand height as low as possible. So we don't have, we don't have to include in our stand height, long screws mm-hmm. that are just normally underneath the boot board, right? So we can keep the plastic thickness, a real boot board, but just drop everything down low to the ski, just to have a low center of gravity. But then also, because of that weight savings, we're not trying to use a PP cuff to be around that 1800 gram mark. So there are, these are the two benefits that really we wanted to keep with using a, a glued-on rubber sole. The glued-on rubber sole uh, follows uh, the current grip walk norm so iso 23223 grip walk in the last year or so has become an official iso norm that all the brands are you know rallying behind so this is a grip walk sole but you're also going to see this rubber cover more of the bottom of the boot than before again first generation was very svelte minimum rubber like covering the bottom of the boot um again for weight savings but this has a a much more like a wider coverage, especially in between the toe and the heel. So for, for stepping on ladders, riding in sleds, just general scrambling, you've got more shell coverage with this rubber sole than before. So a lot more grip, a lot more traction and a lot more durability for longevity of the, of the bottom of the boot. All right. Well, we should be talking about the BOA system, but you really don't want to yet. So let's keep running down your list of 97 other things before we get to, I don't know, the thing that most people are freaking curious about this boot. But yeah, sure. Where you want to go next? We'll get there. And there's a reason why I'm, I'm saving it towards the end, because you're going to have some options in the range. Okay. It won't always be just BOA. Okay. So whatever, Mr. Horses. Teaser. Yeah. Mr. Cryptic over there. But I think more importantly for me is there's a brand new liner, honestly, in this boot. So this is where a lot of the fit improvements um, really come into play. Wait, you're claiming that you think the new liner is the more interesting thing about this boot than its BOA 
system. You are one of one to think this uh, of the general buying public. Just just to be clear. Well, because no matter which boot you get in the range, you're just going to have these liner improvements, whether you get a buckle version or a boa version. So I think that would be pretty cool to educate people on, mm. Jonathan. That uh... Man, I'm just <laughs> here to give the people what they want. You're here to try to Wikipedia them or something. Boot. We're talking about all the details of a brand new boot. And there's lots of cool new things here, okay. especially in the liner. The liner. So it's, it is a good looking liner. So We've got um, a brand new Mimic Platinum liner here um, with the goal of delivering the same, you know, style of fit as you had before. So really Alpine foothold, Alpine skiing performance, um, but with some nice updates like a 3D stretch toe box. So asymmetrically shaped left and right um, stretch toe box, which will be brought into the range on Hawks Prime the year before, now Ultra and ultra extended are getting that it's a removable tongue so velcro fixation like our mimic professional series um to allow you to adjust the, the tongue position and volume of the liner say more about the volume of the liner and talk about like the how available or not that available are different tongue options going to be for this boot um it's going to have a new liner tongue like foam buildup on the inside so there's a new memory two layers of memory foam that we have so it's a much more robust substantial tongue foam on the inside and it is fixed to the the toe box via velcro like our mimic professional liners or racing liners would be that means if you wanted to change out this tongue and upgrade to one of our v3 tongue system options so we've got a low volume fit, a medium volume fit, and a high volume fit, you can further perfect the fit with different tongue options that would be here. But before you even get to that route, Velcro fixation tongues allow you to position the tongue fore aft. So if you've got a really low volume foot like me, you can really get the tongue to sit close to the foot. Or if you have a higher volume foot like you, you can reposition the tongue a little bit further forward to gain some instep space, uh, which is pretty nice. And then one of the things that people definitely asked for with the previous generation of the liner is they wished it would articulate more efficiently while touring. So you're going to see a much more um, well thought out Achilles flex zone that has deformation zones to actually move with the cuff more efficiently than before. So the cuff, we didn't change in terms of how much mobility is built into the cuff. It still has 54 degrees of cuff range of motion, but now the liner way better matches that. So judging old generation to this, this will feel like it has a greater range of motion when it really comes down to the liner just being more efficient and moving with the boot better than before. But still fully heat moldable. Um, has mimic technology in the ankle and heel area. So this will go into the oven to get heated up. Once it goes in the oven and gets soft, you wear it in the boot. And this mimic plastic that's around the ankle and heel, midfoot and area of the lower part of the liner, hardens around your foot shape and maintains that. It also will mold in the cuff area of the boot. So the plastic cuff is fully heat moldable. And so is the plastic in the tongue. So you get a really nice shape around your calf muscle, 
as well as in the on the shin at the same time. So all the benefits that a Mimic Platinum liner currently has are still here, just with the um, addition of the 3D stretch toe box, the Velcro fixation tongue. So we call the AFS tongue, the adaptive fit system tongue, and this new Achilles flex zone to tour and hike more efficiently than before without giving up any of the fit that people demand in, out of a, a Hawks Ultra Extended. That wasn't too bad, was it? I don't know. That's some good points there. I'm a little upset. People want to hear this stuff, man. Come on. I worked hard on this liner. Let me talk about it. It's not always just about you, Matt. But this mostly is. Let's be fair. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. There's some other boot designers out there that definitely are not going to accept your notion that Touring boots would ideally have PU shells and cuffs. Sure. That's why I don't consider this a touring boot, to be honest. Oh, pretty good For idea. me, a Hawks Ultra Extended or a Prime Extended, these are Alpine boots that can go touring and tour well. Versus touring boots that ski well. And that's what we'll... Eventually, we'll talk about that with Backland mm-hmm. Extended. That's going to be a touring boot that skis really well. Okay. I thought you were going to get more mad about that question, but you did pretty well with that. Okay. Walk mode. There's a new walk mode (laughs) on this boot. Yep. So it is... This is like the kid who knows like for... He got like a pony for his birthday, but the parents are like, look at this other present. We got you a new algebra book. And the kid's like, dude, did you... (laughs) Matt did not like that. (laughs) 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 Matt did not... When do we get to talk about the pony? (sighs) All right, talk about your freaking walk mechanism. Because there's two cool things here. Uh-huh. Then we'll talk about the obvious boa in the room, not the pony. <laughs> the pony in the room. Like that? That's pretty good. Okay, so um, on the first generation Hawks Ultra Extended, there was a very robust ski walk mechanism that you guys loved calling the prison shank. Yeah. You know, that same idea and concept is here. But now it interfaces to the cuff the same way that a prime extended does. So if you want to change the forward lean, it's way easier. Mm-hmm. There's no flip chips to take apart or buy extra. All three forward leans are built into the back of the boot. So the boot comes at 15 degrees, but you can make it more upright at 13 or position it more forward at 17. And it looks like whoever skied this before put it into the 13. There's no gap above that red part. Yep. Bingo. That'd be Dylan Wood. That's Dylan's upright steez there. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to the ski walk mechanism, one of the things that unfortunately uh, we're still waiting on, it will ship to you guys so you can test it, is a cool little thing that we call the Narbar. And this came from, the idea of this came from our athletes when they were really wanting to have absolute, no compromise, 100% downhill performance. When they were skiing certain lines and you've seen a couple boots a couple boot manufacturers make um fixed cuff boots with tech inserts so no walk mode whatsoever but there's still tech inserts in the boot yeah and i totally understand why these boots exist like people just want to have the the confidence and just the uh, ability to trust that their boot is going to ski exactly how they want it to or need it to be on this really consequential line or whatever. And I don't care what boot you pick up, every boot that has a ski walk mechanism 
has a little bit of play built into it. It's just the way things work. And with this new mechanism, the tolerances are super tight, but there are moving pieces here. And if you are paying a lot of attention in the first like half degree of movement or flex of the boot, you do feel a little bit of movement. And this would be the, the same for every boot that has a walk mode. So what we thought of was, what if we took off the ski walk mechanism and just put a solid metal bar on the back of the boot to fix the cuff to the shell? No play whatsoever. Bolt it in place. And this is an aftermarket piece that we call the Narbar. So it allows you to turn your ski walk mode boot into a fixed cuff boot with tech inserts. And then you can go back to the ski walk mechanism if you want by just simply screwing and unscrewing two screws. So what the Narbar will look like is essentially that ski walk mechanism without the pivots. Mm -hmm. It's a just a hunk of aluminum machined in place to connect the cuff to the shell with absolutely no play whatsoever. So if you wanted to have a boot with this fit, this weight, rubber sole, and tech inserts, but 100% fixing the cuff to the shell, this is how you achieve that. Hmm. I so I would like to just say for the record that I have neither a Narbar nor a whiskey teaspoon. Yeah, I can put both those in an envelope and uh, get those sent. Yeah, over but to you won't. And listeners, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is what I'll do. I promise you, I'll mail them this week, and then so I'll be in Austria. When you fly to Austria. You'll be here, but they'll be in Crested Butte. No, don't do that. Do a oh. handoff in Austria. But if, oh, dude, okay. if you don't give me the whiskey teaspoon, I'm seriously upset about that. This stems back give to you our crafted. My favorite teaspoon. This, yeah. Oh, I, your actual one? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's better. Because you, I did not like and your you attitude. You don't know if it's clean or I, not. I, can, I have a washing so. machine. I, I did not like your attitude. When I was excited that you were sending me a whiskey teaspoon and then you did not and you were like, that's stupid. Just go you to You got the... a box full of awesome boots. It's the little things, Matt. Apparently. It's the little things. Uh, anyway. Like a Narbar. Yeah. It was even requested. Someone, we did a thing like what are, what are products that people are most excited to demo at our upcoming Blister Summit? And someone was like jonathan's teaspoon. new whiskey teaspoon and i was like that first of all was the best answer we got and then we got the box and there was no whiskey teaspoon that you said you were going to put in the ski boot how did you expect me to feel like it's okay no nope. and fine you were wrong <laughs> um okay we don't have an r bar so we can't comment on it yet yep but that so supply sounds... chain in the world is still yeah. messed up everybody yeah you yeah. haven't figured this out yet yep Fair. Even we are still waiting to get our Narbars. But that honestly sounds pretty freaking cool. It's awesome. It just gives you the option yeah. to have a ski walk mechanism for whatever event you want to do or whatever adventure you're going on. Um, or if you are literally just ripping the resort for a yeah. month, throw this on. And I think. And you will have a Hawks Ultra. And I think that's a lot of people. Yep. You know? And uh, so. We'll hopefully get one someday and check it out. But if it works as advertised, mm -hmm. interesting. No, pretty fun. Where do you want to go next, Jonathan? The pony. 
Let's talk about the pony in the room. Okay. I mean, it's a pony, but it's, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be like, they might not want to hear about this pony. They're going to be like, screw that pony. I don't want a pony. Some people don't like ponies. Right. As I mean, we're seeing on the interwebs. Yeah. And I, and I, anti-pony. And I think it's understandable. And uh, I remember when I first heard about it, I was like, um, no. And then actually, when I was in Austria a year ago, I got to kind of put my foot in a bowed boot and went from I'm out entirely to okay, I, I see what this might be bringing to the table here. And that's kind of on that note where I left. I didn't leave with like, oh my God, I get it. My eyes are open now. And this is obviously mm-hmm. the future. But so I get people that are like, nah, I don't, I don't need this. And we're going to talk about some of the pros and cons here and the rest. But anyway. So yeah, when, when I first heard about this in 2000 and I want to say early 2018, this is how far back we're going. Um, when this idea was was floated to us, I was very skeptical because while I like Boa on my bike shoes, mm-hmm. on our our backland boots, it had some yeah a list of pros and cons. Right, you're like okay, like this this is lighter, it's more convenient, but it's not gonna it doesn't tighten the boot as much as our cross lace system, for example. I was skeptical. For sure. And we had these original meetings with Boa literally, yeah, so five years ago in 2018. They're like, we really want to bring a, a product into the Alpine boot market. So something unique, something that is not currently in our product portfolio, right? This is not the same Boa that's on snowboard boots. It's not the same Boa that's in our touring boots. It's a completely new, what's called a chassis, right? A new system. And one of the things we were very clear from the beginning was it has to be more durable than what we all know on on snowboard boots. Because every shop who carries BOA snowboard boots knows these cables don't last very long and they have to replace them pretty frequently. So step one, this thing has to be bomb-proof and super durable. It also has to be strong enough to wrap and really wrap a 130 flex mm-hmm. ski boot, right? So it needs to be a lot stronger than anything Boa's come out with yet so far. We also were really adamant on the point that it has to loosen incrementally, not just fully pop open. So what this system does is yes, you're going to hear the normal clicks to tighten and you can pull it up for full release. But if you go one click too far, like on a normal BOA system, you go one click too far to loosen it, you have to pop it and start all over again. With this system, you can actually back it out. So it incrementally loosens and tightens. So there were a lot of things we threw at BOA to be like, if you really want us to get behind this, you have to check all of these boxes. Because to be honest, no one's asking for BOA on ski boots. Mm -hmm you really are going to have to deliver something better than buckles if you really want to have people take you seriously, mm-hmm. you know? And honestly, nobody was more skeptical than us at first. We gave them the list of our wish list of you have to hit these points. And then 
you know, less than a year later, they came back and were like, yep, here's our first prototypes. Let's go skiing. And they had them mounted up um, onto one of our Hawks Prime boots. And we went out skiing with the BOA crew and we were all like, wow, something very unique is happening here around our feet. And they delivered on all the points we wanted. So a stronger system. This cable is way thicker than what any BOA systems ever had before. All of the gearing on the inside of the dial system is full metal as opposed to plastic. So it's incredibly very robust. And it tightens and loosens. For a micro adjustment, it's against 0.25 millimeter increments. Mm. So if you want to get fine-tuned on your fit, this does a way better job. And it ultimately wraps the shell better than buckles. Mm -hmm. It just does. Mm -hmm. And that part I can attest to. Like I'm... I've been saying I want to hold off on some things till our flash and I want a couple more. I want as much time as possible till we drop this. And hopefully I'm either skiing this afternoon or putting in a good day tomorrow and Thursday before we go. But that I think is undeniable. Yeah. Like you, and this is coming from a person who as a boot fitter, as someone who's in a, you know, a one finger shell fit with a foam liner. I don't need to buckle my shell buckles. Yep. Right. So I'm, I'm in the run your, run your buckles loose Mm -hmm. on the shell camp. Always have been. So I'm not looking to make my buckle boots tighter. And that's, that's not what this is about. This is about better wrapping shell. You can make it way tighter. You can cut the circulation off to your feet with this thing. Mm -hmm. It's pretty intense, but you don't really understand how little buckles are wrapping your boot until you try this on. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the kicker for most people who are screaming on the internet right now is they're like, buckles are fine. I don't tighten my buckles tightly. What the F, you know, this is unneeded. No one's asking for this. And when I was talking to somebody about this exact point, I was like, I agree with you. No one needs BOA. No one needs buckles. You're confusing needs and solutions here. Buckles, power straps, cables, boas, these are solutions. The need is to have a proper fitting boot. The need is to have good skiing performance, to be durable, to be repairable, to be boot fittable. These are the needs, right? So this is an important distinction that me as product manager, I'm, I'm kind of hyper-focused on, to be honest. But this is what's going to prevent us from bringing out a fluke, from bringing out a flop. You know, If this didn't address the need of creating a better fit, I wouldn't have specced it on this boot. Like I've got no skin in the game for BOA. I, you know, I love the guys who I work mm-hmm. with at BOA. They're all great. But I don't need BOA. I need a better fitting ski boot. And that's what this delivers. And that's to me what's so exciting about this is when you put on a BOA boot and you start to crank the dial tight, you're like, wow, this boot is wrapping. And what buckles do, of course, buckles wrap. But at a certain point, buckles start to push downward onto the foot. And which is why we always say, don't buckle your boots tightly. It's just going to cut off circulation. You know, we're always in that a proper boot should have 
a loose tension on the buckles to avoid this downward pressure. And BOA is just getting around this. The way the system integrates onto the shell and how it's pulling literally is wrapping in a way that buckles simply can't achieve. And that's what, unfortunately, it's going to take everybody who doesn't believe us here to just get it on your feet and try it. And that's really the, the, the wow moment is when you put this on your foot and you're like, okay, even though I've never buckled my boots crazy tight in the shell, and I'm still not going to go super tight either here, but it's just interesting how much more you can wrap without hurting your foot. Yeah. I think there's a couple other interesting points to be made along these lines. One, you are sort of talking as if most skiers are in a properly tight ski boot, which I think it's safe to say is absolutely not true, right? I, sure, I right? think we all agree many skiers are in too big of a boot. And so for those folks who do need to rely on buckles to start actually get them like not swimming around in a shell. This is a solution where you can start actually wrapping the foot and not just crushing in. I mean, it's an issue I have sometimes specifically in step height, right? Like crushing your instep with an instep buckle. So totally mm -hmm. you can use that one. It's still you can obviously use that one in your we want to make sure people are in the right size and shape for their foot yeah but we're but not a lot of say people this negates that but a lot of people sure. aren't totally i'm here for the every man especially every man needs a pony <laughs> every man needs a pony that's gonna be the title of this podcast um <laughs> another thing i want to say and it's funny if you look at photos of me on blister over the years probably a good number of photos you'd find like my lower buckles like absolutely kind of like stuck straight up in the air and that kind of thing and i've definitely been a proponent of like if your shell fits you really don't need to worry about those lower buckles and yet mm -hmm. i mean things happen in ski boots right for people who are holding on to their boots for a long time liners pack out and then even on extremely cold days versus extremely warm days Everybody knows like the fit of a boot can start to feel dramatically different. And when we're just talking about fit right now and the ability to dial in that fit in a better way with a BOA system than with buckles, these are a few of the applications. One, people that are just simply in too big of a boot. But beyond that, it still strikes me that there are other scenarios where that ability to fine tune and adjust is not irrelevant even to the people who are like i'm in a super tight race fit or i'm in a super tight performance fit and this again is missing me entirely um as somebody who has to ski a number of different boots or i mean i've got 60 days now in a hawks ultra professional fit changes on a boot it just does so i would add that in as well mm -hmm. yep totally one of the other aspects of this in addition to fit is like the durability and repairability of this system. And let's be clear, this is one of the biggest areas of criticism. Totally. About this mm -hmm. BOA system. I'm going to be yeah. out. This is, I'm supposed to go touring in this thing. I'm going to be out. This thing's going to blow up, break down in the back country, and then I'm kind of screwed. 
So I think this is like one of the biggest potential criticisms people have or worries people have. So talk about that. So we've been testing this BOA system since roughly 2018, right? It's been on a, a wide variety of ski boots over the last few years. So we've been testing it on, um, you know, boots before this latest generation of Hawks Ultra Extended came out of the molds. I've had it on a regular Ultra. I think you tried it on a regular Ultra yeah. when you were over. Yeah. I've had it on a pair of Club Sport 130s. And now it's landed on on this boot. So this has been on snow with a lot of our athletes, with our R&D team for at least three seasons, you know. So there's been a lot of real world testing, not just a couple months in the lab of hitting it with hammers and calling it good. So real full seasons of testing. The cable is super beefy. All of the attachment points of where the BOA connects to the shell are using screwed hardware. So let's just say something does break. You know, it's it's possible. Sure, you can break buckles. You can break power straps. You could break a shell. Um, if something does fail here, it's super easy to replace. And the BOA, the BOA dial itself is designed, if it withstands a certain impact, to actually separate from its mounting base plate. So when you look at this system in closer detail, you'll see there is a like a metal ring, yep. like kind of halfway up the dial there. Mm -hmm. Below that metal ring, the base plate mounts with three screws to the shell. At that metal ring, this is where the BOA is designed to break away should it come in contact with a set of stairs, uh, a tree, um, whatever, you know, rocks. Um, and it will break away from that that base plate, still connected to the cable, so you don't lose it. It's not going to go flying down the run on you. It's still attached to your boot on the cable. And all you have to do is just push it back on with your hands. So there's a tool-free kind of male-female prongs that exist in this system. Um, so if you do happen to knock it hard enough against something, it's designed to come off versus shatter. And then you can put it on without any tools required. That's pretty slick. Trying to think of the counter. You're going to ask a question. I didn't know if you were just dazed and confused from your child medicine. Well, maybe, but I was just thinking of the counter to that. And I think it comes down to, I don't believe you. That would be the, that would be the objection to what you've just said, right? That if somebody's sure. like, no, okay. I'm still not buying it. I do not want that technology out in the back country. Or skin and bounds i guess but if it's like if it breaks it's not repairable and you're saying well actually it is and it can just be popped back into place tool free yes let's just say you absolutely nuke it on something and you do break it right boa offers a lifetime warranty on any of the boa parts free replacements so if you do absolutely shatter it for however that happened um, you're going to get a free dial, a free cable, a free whatever part of the BOA. And as long as you know how to fix a derailleur cable on a bike, for example, you can fix this. It's that easy. It's actually faster to fix a cable on this than it is to drill out a buckle off of a shell if it's riveted on, which most boots are. Most boots don't use screwed hardware, yeah. right? 
So durability is honestly super high with this. In the event that you do need to replace some broken parts, everything is held on with screws and it's external. It's not hidden under a water ceiling or anything like that. You're, it's it's relatively straightforward, especially for boot fitters, especially for any shop person. This is very easy to fix. All right, it might just be the children's cough syrup, but I'm, I'm might be ready to move on. But let's just say, hey, Matt, thanks, Boa, sounds cool. I'm just a super traditional person. I like my buckles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, let's say that we will still offer every flex of Hawks Ultra Extendeds as a four buckle option. But in the new PU... Same build. Yeah. yeah. Wherever there's a BOA, there's going to be a buckle option next to it. Just because we know some people want the boot, yeah. but they just want traditional four buckles. <clears throat> That's fine. Right? Some Again, people don't like, like said, ponies. Gotten... Yeah. So whether you want to have something new and fun that works better than buckles, or you just say, hey, I'm happy with how buckles on a loose tension work for my foot. Let's just go shred. I want a four buckle boot. Every flex, men's and women's, is available as a four buckle boot too. Hmm. I like that basically what you did there was you were like, so if you like better technologies (laughs) and better solutions and you just generally like better equipment that works better and will make your skiing better, you can get the pony. And if you're stupid and hate things that are better, you can still get the buckles. That was my oral interpretation. You can read into that however you want. Okay. Especially in the first launch year. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's just, we didn't want to put all of our eggs in one basket just because people are like, uh, I don't know, dude, yeah. I've had so many bad experiences with my snowboard boa or my running shoe boa, whatever, right? Options exist. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So whichever way you want to go, you can get the Hawks Ultra Extended in buckle or boa. Mm. Go nuts. So let's back up again. And maybe talk a little bit about this phenomenon in general. Uh, You've said that Atomic, you were talking with BOA in 2018 and starting to work on this then. But we are seeing several companies come out with BOA booted products. And so why is that happening like literally right now? So yeah, BOA is going to be on a few boots for 23-24. Basically, BOA is working with um, existing BOA partners in the what we call the launch year. So basically, these Alpine brands use BOA in some capacity, typically in touring, right? And so the, the four brands of Atomic, Solomon, Fisher, and K2, we've been given the, the first go at this new system for the launch year. And BOA, in the beginning, wasn't exactly sure you know, how long it would take to launch this. Right to make sure all the all the points were addressed that every brand was asking for with this, and a couple of years ago they were like, "Yep, yeah, we're we're really confident that twenty three twenty four is going to be our our launch year for this. That's when we'll be ready for serial production on the new Boa system to go full speed ahead." And we as boot brands were like, "Okay, well we have this boot planned in twenty three twenty four, right?" And that's the honest reason why you're seeing BOA come on an ultra extended and not a Hawks Prime or a Redster TI or something like that. This has to be integrated into a brand new boot 
you can't just throw it onto an existing mold series. There's too much integration that has to happen there. Can you say more about that? Like, what does that integration look like? Like, why can't we just cut out a hole in a Redster club sport, slap a BOA in there, and there you go. We've jerry-rigged a cable BOA system. Yep, which is what we did. What's what we you were did. prototyping yeah. it. So see, you've but proven not, yourself wrong. It's not like, hmm. it's prototype. Hmm. It's not a dialed-in setup, right? And what I mean by that is if you look at this BOA system, pick it up and look at it, you're going to see the deviation points integrated into the plastic, right? There's a protective ramp that comes up to help shield the BOA from oncoming impacts, Mm -hmm. right? These things don't mesh with buckles. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. 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 Like if you, and if you look at a buckle boot, there are ramps underneath the buckles to position the buckle at the right angle on the shell. So whatever, whatever boot you've got, there's always ramps and you can see on the cuff of underneath the cuff buckles, but you see under the, where the, where the buckle is actually mounted, that base plate has, there's a ramp underneath it. If you took the buckles off and just put boa near it, you'd have these weird ramps just sitting there not into not doing anything right so part of it is clean integration on the outside but also clean integration on the inside on the last so recesses for t-nuts and things like that mm-hmm. have to be they're in a different spot than buckles so if we did just put it on a redster club sport and say here you go you're gonna have t-nuts sticking down into the last that's not smart that's not good for fit right so if if you said, hey, well, it's actually hypothetically possible to modify an existing mold, you can weld certain things onto the last, you can remove material from the mold to do this. Sure, you can, but it's going to cost you so much money to do this, it's almost cheaper to make a brand new mold series. So why weaken an existing mold series with welding and grinding things out when the ideal solution for the same amount of money yeah, is just to go. make a new mold series. Okay, so you so, could, you could have, you could have. Sure. You chose no not to, that's gonna, different. Let's not lie on yes. gear 30. Yeah, it's technically possible to do so. It's just maybe no not. One's so, gonna, no. no one's going to spend the million euros yeah. just to retool an old mold, mm-hmm. right? Because whenever you do these heavy modifications to molds and lasts, you do weaken it. You run the risk of it literally breaking. So. Um, when you do make modifications to molds and last, it needs to be very small, typically. And this is heavy modification, doing this BOA integration to it. So what you'll see is that, you know, Atomic has the new Hawks Ultra Extended. Solomon has whatever boot they're working on. Same with Fisher and K2. They're having to really do new concepts and new things to do this properly. And it will be a rollout of every year. Whatever brand is coming out with something in 24, 25, that's what'll get BOA. And it'll be different for every company because every company's got different you know, glide paths on what they want to launch and mold life cycles of when it's time to do something new every five years, for example. So that's why it's not debuting on a World Cup boot first, because we're not launching a new World Cup boot, right? Or we're not doing a new Hawks Prime, we're doing a new Hawks Ultra Extended. 
But this is to say, just to clarify for people who might also be on children's cough syrup at the moment, there's nothing about like, oh, this BOA system, it only works with kind of lighter weight touring boots where maybe, you know, we're not expecting like huge performance demands and bigger forces or something on the boot. That's not a part Mm -hmm. of it. It's just, yeah, I mean... You've said this well, but just to kind of underscore that, yeah. Yeah, and like I've skied it for over a year on a club sport 130. Like it's that strong where it's can totally wrap that thick of a boot, no problem. All right, one other question, concern, slash criticism is, you know, so there's this big boa knob on the boot now. What about boot out, you know? Fair point. So this boa system is so, first of all, des- describe boot out. What are we talking about? Yeah. So, let's just say you're a racer. This is wh- who's most focused on what's called booting out. When you tip a ski over, you got high edge angles. Your boot is coming closer into contact with the snow, right? So, racers really try to position the buckles high up over the instep, and they even grind away some of the outer plastic just so the boot's not hanging down into the snow and catching on the snow when they lean the, the ski over. If you look at where Hawk's Ultra Extended 4-Buckle boot is on the table, just if you had both boots, the buckle version and the boa boot version sitting on the table, and just lean them over, the buckle version's going to actually come into contact with things before you touch the boa to things. Especially in the toe. So that the... What we call position one buckle, the one right over the toe box. Gotcha. So it's yeah. I'm still holding the Hawks Ultra Extended Boa and tilting it. You're like, I don't know what you mean, but yeah. If you're like, okay, but then just take a regular buckled boot, that lowest buckle. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Position one and position two, depending how whatever brand's done their buckle sizing. Um, Usually, position one and the position two buckle is usually bigger then position one mm-hmm. and it hangs off so you can easily grab it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Those easy grabbing angles cause the buckle to actually hang up off the boot so you can easily grab them, but then they stick into the snow. Boa boots, you know, depending where the brand's positioned it, it's usually in the same general spot as ours. You're going to have no problem booting out because of the boa system. That won't be what, what's getting in the way for sure. What's getting in your way? Lack of courage. Yeah, your inability to actually tip the ski over mm-hmm. and balance. <laughs> For me, that's usually lack of courage. Yeah. Yeah. Comes down to lack of courage. Commitment. Yeah. To, yeah. Commitment issues. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what about a women's version of the ultra extended? Yep. So, all the great things we've just talked about are echoed into the women's versions of the boots, of course. And what the women's version really means for us is a lower cuff height that is more tulip-shaped with a liner built to match, and it reflects that. Um, The actual foot portion of the boot, like the shell, the liner, that's the same between men and women. But the difference is really going to be in the cuff height, cuff volume uh, on the women's boots. So it's 15 millimeters lower um with more tulip shaping so a bit more open rounder profile 
for just a different location of the the calf muscle that typically finds itself on uh, the women's products. And what's the size range for the women's? Yeah. So we start at true 22 and every size up to 27. And on that note, we also do the 130 flex, you know, men's boot, the unisex boot, also starting uh, in a size 22. Huh. So if someone is looking for the four buckle boot, 130 flex, we will start at true 22 on the 130 flex four buckle boot. Just the buckle, not the boa, yep. just, okay, the buckled version. Yeah, just to focus, yep. to focus that, that'll probably be the, what we're thinking at least, and we'll see, mm-hmm. um, just where that tends to go on size 22. Size, what you're calling true 22? Or is this the cheater yes. 22? This is a true 22. None of our 22s are cheaters, meaning we don't take a 23 shell, put a toe dam inside or a thicker liner. Um, whenever we have a 22 or even 21 listed on some of our redster boots, um, that is a true mold size with a liner that reflects that that last length. So true 22s, true 23s, 24s, etc., all the way up the range. And so, should you tell us more about specific models? Sure. Uh, super simple. Uh, on the, the unisex men's side, it's going to be a 130 flex available in BOA or buckle. There's a 120 buckle only. And then a 110 BOA or buckle. And on the women's side, a 115 flex BOA or buckle. And a 95 flex BOA or buckle. So lots of options in terms of whichever uh, closure system makes sense for your flex type thing. So we finally got to talk about the pony. I told you it was worth it. I had a plan. Yeah, this is pretty good. I just, I mean, the kids, kids want the ponies right away. It's just human nature. But um, let's go back to specifically the Hawks Ultra Extended because we're sort of in mm-hmm. a that's not all folks situation here, right? Yes, one little thing left to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we are making a Mimic Professional liner for the Hawks Extended Boots, finally. So, to have that, the same technology, the same um, heat moldable Mimic plus Redster foam injection technology, but in a liner that articulates and moves with the cuff. So, going after um, just that high-performance freeride touring no compromise in the downhill performance type of thing. We've made a brand new Mimic Professional liner for Hawks Ultra Extended as well as Hawks Prime Extended. So if you really wanted to have the nth degree of fit um, downhill performance customization, but with the ability to go uphill, now that ex- that technology exists. Which will come at a weight penalty. You know, it's yeah. still going to be you know, pretty much the same 600 grams of liner that uh, a regular Mimic Professional liner weighs, but just with the Achilles Flex Zone integrated into it to allow for going up slowly. (laughs) Going up slowly, yeah. Um, The irony is that a lot of people who do tour in these really heavy liners are not going up slowly. They're just exactly. beasts. They're actually really fit. Yeah, they're just beasts. <laughs> um, 
So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, the idea of a foam injected liner that still is mobile has this mobility. It's it's a little counterintuitive to me because it seems like, okay, we have a cast, i.e. a yeah. foam injected liner, but now we want to make you able to walk in it and have like good range of motion. Yay. Yes. That's what we're doing, Jonathan. <laughs> this is a question. This wasn't supposed to elicit a yay <laughs> response. Yeah. So it'll probably, we'll have to kind of revisit maybe mimic professional on a, its own podcast because the whole you're really pushing your luck getting, you're really pushing your luck really assuming, getting some sweet updates assuming, for next year assuming you're gonna get invited back but yeah we'll have to give you your spoon <laughs> at some point so <laughs> that's in austria yeah uh well i'm gonna ship it over i told no. you no yeah i'm gonna no hand off yeah. so you guys got sent a new mimic professional liner for hawks extended right it'll go into Ultra extended, prime extended, and any other 98 to 100 millimeter, you know, 50-50 style of boot. And there are some pretty big updates we've done in general to Mimic Professional. So now it's its third year. And we've just gotten some feedback from from people along the way of what to update, what to improve. Um, and so there's a laundry list of um, things we've done to make the fit look tighter little bit longer lasting but more of a tighter fit into the setup most people who want a foam liner are looking for absolute foothold mm -hmm. type thing right yeah and so basically we're delivering on that in spades for the new uh collection of mimic professional liners for redster regular hawks and now hawks extended so there's going to be updates across the board on all of those liners so yeah so in addition to just the general awesome updates that we're doing across the family range of Mimic Professional liners. The Hawks extended version has a big old Achilles flex zone mm -hmm. that, you know, matches the mobility of, of the cuff of the boot. So if somebody's like, hey, you know what? I really don't care about weight holding me back. I want to have rock solid fit and skiing performance and I'll deal with the extra few hundred grams in this liner. That's who this is for. It's it's definitely heavier than what comes in uh, the Hawks Ultra Extended by a couple hundred grams, at least. But this person knows what they want. They want that amazing uh, cemented in fit for the down. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good time to ask the question. Zipped it makes a heavy liner. It's not foam injected. When I yep. say heavy, you guys all know heavy is not a dirty word for me. It is a substantial liner that is coming in at a similar weight to these. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about just consumer options out there. Sure. Um, I think with our liner, we do like a foam injected liner. It's what all of our World Cup athletes, when given the, the choice of anything under the sun, and we know that a World Cup athlete will go off brand if it suits his or her needs, right? That's pretty obvious with uh if anybody's watched marcel hirsch's career over the years um so whatever works the best is what we want to use and a the right type of foam injection liner is going to deliver the absolute perfect integration to the shell to have the ideal fit the ideal comfort and the ideal skiing performance um associated with that 
And part of what our liners have going on with it is not just this uh, PU foam injection, but it's also heat moldable mimic material around the ankle and midfoot that really helps just create that great transition between foot, foam, liner, and shell. So you get the kind of best of both worlds of having this ideal thickness around your foot with this mimic plastic directly engaging the the inner shell wall of the boot um, in combination with super high-end microfibers, a heat-moldable carbon fiber cuff, and uh, what's called our V3 tongue system, which we kind of hinted at a little bit earlier. Um, but if, if people aren't aware of our V3 tongue system, we make a a series of tongues that have three different thicknesses. You've got a high volume fit. So if you need more space, you have a really high instep inside the boot. There's a high volume fit tongue. There's a medium fit, which is thicker, and a low volume fit, which is the thickest, that creates the tightest fit. So you can really fine tune the interface between foot, shin, uh, and liner tongue with this. So it's a, a super customizable liner that is used on our world cup circuit with the redster version um and we're bringing that same exact technology the same exact materials now into 50 50 touring so with that comes the obvious weight penalty but like like zip fit you know fit comfort and performance are going to outweigh the gram counting aspect for this person with, with either way so this is yeah just our take on what the, the pinnacle of how a liner should be built, right? Different philosophy than what ZipFit's doing, but with the same end goal and purpose in mind. Okay, Backland. I'm holding Here it. Here we go. Now I'm holding it in my hands. So yeah. I think the most significant thing to say, which we established earlier in this conversation, is that the previous Hawks Ultra Extended weighed 1,400 grams-ish. Right, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Well, that boot is now made of PU, and we said it's now about eighteen thirty grams. If you are using the spoilers, well, guess what? This new backland weighs fourteen hundred grams. Yep. Hmm. There you go. That's it. That's all I got. Your turn. Well, if you you know as uh you know the regular backland in our range, backland carbon is like eleven 1 hundred grams in change, right? And Hawks Ultra Extended is moving away from that, getting heavier, more resort focused, but still touring capable. There's a pretty big gap that was emerging here. And we've been, people have been asking for a boot like this for a long time. So a, a true touring boot that skis super well and literally slots in between a non norm backland boot, which is pin binding only, and a grip walk you know, four buckle overlap boot with a walk mode, right? And so, as you said, this boot is coming in at, you know, my sample here at my desk is 1390 on the dot. Ours is 1391. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. So, we could have made things lighter, right? But it's honestly, this is not the time to count grams with this boot. Like, it's important to be light, right? So, we're making this boot out of PA plastic, not PU. It's carbon-loaded PA to be as stiff as possible for how thin the, the plastic is. And 
we're also building it around a prime foot shape. So this is a 100 millimeter medium lasted touring boot. It has the same basic footprint on the inside, the foot geometry of our Hawks Prime. Slightly adapted for touring, so it's a little bit more rocker um, into it because of the touring norm. But in terms of cuff height, cuff volume, instep height, you know, all these things come from our Hawks Prime uh, toolbox. So this is a much taller boot than Backland. It's the same height as a Hawks Prime or Prime Extended. Let's say that Just built around. Let's say that yeah. one more time. This new boot, Backland Extended Carbon One Twenty, yeah, is a taller boot, so greater instep and some other I mean, things. Cuff height. Greater cuff height. That's, so like coming up your leg, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a real Alpine boot yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then the versus what? we're just clarifying backland. Then the backland. Yeah. So this new yeah. backland extended carbon one twenty for people who just maybe tried that backland and was like, "Yo, where's my cuff height? Yo, where's my boot? Where's my boot? Yep, this might be for them. Totally. So there was a you know a real big push to slap a one thirty on the side of this boot. Everybody wants a one thirty, one thirty, one thirty. But to be honest, it's not there. We don't want to call it that, but it feels really, really similar to our a lot of our 120s in the Alpine world. So I'm very happy with uh, the flex rating that we've printed on the side of this boot, to be honest. So part of, again, coming back to why is it 1390 and not like 1250 or 1180, something like that. For starters, we're on a, a medium last. So we have a literally a bigger footprint sitting here. Narrower boots, way less in the touring world. That's why so many touring boots are narrow, as they're just trying to check the lightest possible weight that they can make the boot. So there was a lot of people in our office who were like, oh, it's a prime fit. You know, there's so many like X racers, ultra foot shapes, myself included. You know, this boot is really meant for most people's feet to be honest you know i think luke and his godforsaken feet um will be quite happy in something like this right so prime volume prime foot shape prime cuff height in terms of front flaps and rear height you know this is as tall as an alpine boot in terms of coming up the leg when you're standing inside of it it has um the version that we're holding right here this is the touring norm boot so this is an ISO 9523 sole, full rubber, touring norm setup. Tech inserts front and rear. It's compatible with TLT specific, you know, TLT bindings, like our backland binding. But being an actual normed sole, it's also compatible with things like Shift, or the Kingpin, or the Tecton, or the Duke, you know, or even our uh, Warden MN binding, or the Strive MN series. You know, so this is a very versatile setup once we go to a touring norm sole. And then what we didn't send you, this boot is also available as a grip walk version. So we have two kind of flavors in the range for Backland Extended, depending on what somebody's looking for. It doesn't mean you can change things out between touring norm and grip walk, but they can they come configured 
that way from us, right? So there's still there's a 120 flex touring norm, and there's a 120 flex grip walk boot, for example, and there's a 115 women's flex here as well. You've got a, basically a boot that we've made that skis way better than a regular backland, but then also tours way better than a Hawks Extended Ultra or Prime. And that's really the kind of defining characteristic of this boot. And what a lot of people, well, I should say everybody who's tried this boot, they're not so much blown away by the fact that it's a 120 flex. That's not unheard of in this category. It's kind of par for the course, right? But what is going to blow people's minds is the range of motion that this boot delivers. We've re-engineered the cuff pivots to be symmetric and parallel, meaning they're on the same level horizontally, and they're squared off fore aft. This boot walks and tours more efficiently than regular backland. So when you unlock this cuff, you flip open the ski walk mechanism, most people just kind of like fall backwards. They're not like prepared for it. So the super wow moment with this boot, besides if you're already not wowed by what I've told you, is this boot is more efficient at going uphill than our backland carbon in terms of ease of range of motion. So it's still at 74 degrees of cuff movement like a backland carbon, but it moves way more smoothly, way more efficiently. And that's one of the the big defining characteristics of this boot, especially in its class. You do not get any Achilles bite when you lean backwards in this boot. It's very common um, with a lot of our competitor boots back here. As soon as you go past vertical and lean backwards, you're feeling the, the heel cup of the shell dig into the Achilles. Very noticeable. This versus those boots, you don't feel any of that. So this literally, again, feels like our backland in touring mode, walking mode, hiking mode type thing. But once you click the ski walk mechanism into place and go skiing, you've got a progressive 120 flex boot underfoot based around prime foot shape, medium volume. All right. Well, what else is going on with this backland extended carbon 120? Yeah. So this shell construction um, that backland historically has used is what's called an open throat. If you take off the buckles, you take off the water sealing, so you just see the plastic shell. You basically see a boot with a a very easy step in that looks like there's no overlapping over the instep, if that makes sense. If you think about a traditional two-piece boot like a Hawks boot or a Redster, the shell wraps up over the foot. There's an overlap that exists there. In most touring boots, this doesn't exist uh, for one cuff range of motion and ease of step in, step out. And Backland has traditionally had this open throat style construction. The downside to an open throat construction is it doesn't wrap around the foot very well. So what you're going to see here on this boot is what we call our hybrid overlap. And that's kind of signified by these external flaps that are underneath the, the cross-lace system that are here. Underneath the toe portion of the cross-lace system is a portion of the shell but unfortunately, you can't see it's underneath the water ceiling that acts like an overlap. So when you buckle this cross lace system, 
not only are you holding down the like ankle and instep area, but you're also getting wrapping to happen over the toe box, which is pretty unique in the touring world. Not many touring boots have that if they're an open throat construction. So this hybrid overlap is kind of doing the best of both worlds. You're getting a open throat construction for easy step in, step out and maximum forward cuff mobility, but you're still getting wrapping to happen over the toe box. So when you actually buckle the boot, it is doing something, right? And that's a, a big step forward over our existing backland boots in the range that don't have that. There's also what we call our 360 stretch guard, and that's a water sealing that is not just in the front of the boot, but it actually goes all the way around on the inside in the cuff. So this is our most waterproof, snowproof, weatherproof boot we've ever made. So when you are using this boot as intended in the backcountry, searching for, for fresh snow, hopefully finding it. Um, you're not in Austria at the moment, so you probably will find it. Um, this is our driest construction yet. So really doing a, a super good job of keeping all the weather, whether that is snow, slush, water, lava, all out of your These are lava. lava. These are lava proof, right? Lava proof, uh, at least mud proof. We've tested that most recently here. Okay. But maybe not lava proof? Probably not. Okay. Um, so in sum, in summation, this is like a completely new boot. This is a brand new boot, um, all new mold construction. There's no real shared parts with any other backland boot in our range besides like the frictionless pivot. So it's a brand new boot from the ground up. Which brings us to the question that I asked near the beginning of this conversation. Why still call it a backland? Yep. This boot has more resemblance to a backland than anything else in our range, I would argue. Because of its open throat construction, its cross-lay system, um, how the cuff is put together with front flaps riveted to a rear spine. There's more backland cues that we're using here than anything else. So for me, honestly, it's still a very much a backland boot. And the abbreviation XTD that we say is extended, this just kind of denotes our most versatile products. So in the Alpine world, the most versatile product is a Hawks Extended, whether it's Ultra or Prime, pick your fit. And in the Backland world, the most versatile product is this, the Backland Extended, in terms of fit, in terms of binding compatibility, ski selection, pairing. It just makes the most sense on a, a super wide variety of things, hence the Extended Honaker. Yeah, we got four models of men's boots and four models of women's boots in this range. So there's a men's, uh, there's two 120s. So one's Touring Norm, one's Gripwalk. There's a 110 Touring Norm and a 100 Gripwalk. So you're going to see two Touring Norm options and two Gripwalk options in the range on both the men's side and the ladies' side. Women's range is split or is broken down in 115 flex, 105, 95 and 85. 
alternating grip walk, touring norm grip walk as you kind of go down those those numbers. Is that weird to how you did the grip walk versus not grip walk? Well, it's range architecture is always a tricky thing in boots. Like trying to make the global population of touring skiers happy is not the easiest thing to do, right? And one of the things that you're seeing just more and more common, especially here in Europe, is the desire for people to click into their normal alpine bindings with their touring boots. And they do it already with like backlands, which are completely incompatible. They're just jamming them into stuff like this. This need is kind of just arising out of what people tend to do and people wanting to have also maximum binding compatibility. And for how com- for how versatile a touring norm is, a grip walk sole is more versatile. So again, we're giving people the option. If you want to go touring norm, there's going to be boots that are going to make you super happy. And if you want to go grip walk, there's going to be boots that make you happy too. And it's pretty, usually when someone looks at the, the range, they're like, well, touring norm doesn't appeal to me. I want the grip walk or it's vice versa. Like there's no, which one should I take? This consumer typically knows, oh, wow, I want this as my touring boot. Let's go. Therefore, grab the touring norm version. Well, I think we're going to leave it at that on the boot and liner talk. But this is what we're going to do. And we promised this on a previous happy hour conversation that we recorded. We had said, because remember, everybody only wanted to ask you about sort of what we just talked about now in this conversation. And we were like, hang on just a sec. So what we're going to do is a happy hour live stream conversation, except this time Matt and I are going to be together in Austria. So this is going to happen on Wednesday, January 25th. And I guess it's going to happen. It's going to, we're going to set this up at like 11 PM Austrian time. So you and I might be a little loose, uh, but that means that means 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in the States. Now, Blister Happy Hour, this is only for Blister members. So if you are not yet a Blister member, become one. And then you all can jump on this live stream with me and Matt, and you can pepper Matt with all of the questions that I did not ask him here today, Okay. So that is going to be this coming Wednesday, January 25th, and we're going to say 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, a.k.a. 11 p.m. Austria. There's that. I know. It's going to be hot. I know. Um, From there, you know, we now do this crashes and close calls segment, and I thought, Matthew, you should share with our listeners one of your own crashes and or close call stories oh okay this is where my mom has to like stop listening okay yeah mom is a a school nurse seen way too many broken bones of kids over the years and she always hates it when i talk about getting hurt so i love you mom but you're gonna hang up right now all right what do you got what's my close call i definitely i would say i get hurt more mountain biking than skiing i think knock on wood before i just ruin myself Mm -hmm. here next week with you my crashes don't happen very often, but when they do, they're kind of spectacular, <laughs> right? 
So I tend to make up for lost time or lost crashes once every few years. But um, I remember when my good buddy Dave was visiting. Uh, yeah, shout out to Dave Trumpor, buddy from back home. Way better mountain biker than I am. And um, trying to keep up with him one day. And I came out of a corner in like full sprint mode. So I, background, I'm, we mostly ride downhill with me, right? Type of thing. And this is at a, a local bike park here in Austria. Coming out of a bermed corner and just started pedaling way too soon. Clipped a pedal mm-hmm. in the corner and high-sided myself like, and just like barrel rolled my bike into me onto this like flat, hard part of the trail. Knocked the wind out of me, broke a rib, and just rang my bell super hard on a spot that nobody should fall, right? Like, I made this section of the trail stupidly hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? This is just like a bermed corner to like a flat sprint. And I just wanted to keep up with him, I guess. And uh, I should know better because he actually has real talent on a bike where I I don't. And um, yeah. High sided myself. I feel like the bike, I would just like barrel rolled, flipped, and just landed on my back. Bike crashed into my face. Everything was just the worst possible thing that could happen on like the easiest section of the trail. Like there was nothing technical, nothing scary going on here. It was just pure stupidity yeah. that did this. Yeah. Yeah. I remember pure ego getting in the way. I actually remember that after I blew up uh, on a mountain bike, which I, I forget it's year and a half ago now or something broke four ribs blew up my shoulder and i remember talking to you and i actually vividly remember you saying like it always happens when the ride is over or it's not in the gnar it happens like when you're out of the gnar and i was like wait what are you but i'm hearing more and more and more anecdotes this way yeah that uh it's so it's not like so you know we do this because we now have this blister plus spot insurance and we're very proud of it Mm -hmm. especially over here in the united states where our health insurance is usually quite terrible and when something does happen you get stuck paying eight thousand ten thousand etc type bills even if you have health insurance so that's what motivated this but i think a big moral of the story is you really cannot just say like well my insurance isn't that good or i have no insurance but i'm just gonna dial it back on the rowdy sections like that's not any of our stories about when we're blowing up. Or it, it, trying to dial it back on the oh, rowdy yeah. sections is probably what? when you do yeah. murder yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm glad you've seemed to somewhat have recovered. I mean, I think the after effects of the head injury are kind of obvious, but... Uh, it's still there. Yeah. But I haven't talked about this crash in like years, so it's taken a long time for the bruised ego to heal more so than the ribs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Since this has been a long one, I think we just do a quick what we're celebrating. Uh, Today, obviously, as noted, I'm drinking Highlands Kids Naturals Cold and Cough. Uh, We'll do one more shot here for the, uh, you know, for the what we're celebrating. But I think it's obvious in this one, I'm celebrating the fact, well, I'm celebrating the fact that I'm going to see you next week. I'm not celebrating the fact that conditions are kind of all time right now in Crested Butte and I'm leaving again. And I just want to say to everyone in Crested Butte, you are absolutely welcome that I am once again being the sacrificial lamb here. So enjoy all this snow. 
I, I still have a few days here to go get it. But um, anyway, I am looking forward to seeing you. And, uh, and then we do have our happy hour, a probably pretty loose happy hour coming up on the 25th. I imagine that will be fun. And that's what I got. Yeah. I'm looking forward to you coming over. I'm actually very happy to pull you away from your snowstorm and bring you to this very warm, dreary winter that we're having here. So we're going to just have like a nice little, we're going to cheers over a bit of a schadenfreude okay. here. And um, yeah, <laughs> cheers to bringing your friends down with you. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, hey, as always, uh, appreciate the conversation and the information. And uh, yeah, I mean, we are underway uh, testing this Hawks Ultra Extended. Um, should have a flash review up when this podcast drops on Friday, January 20th. And it's going to be very, very, very interesting to start collecting impressions and putting reviews out on a number of these different products that are integrating this technology. And uh, we have our work cut out for us. Sounds like fun. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, thanks again. <laughs> See you real soon, actually. It's my pleasure. Good talking to you as always. And I'm sure we forgot a bunch of points to bring up about the boots here. But that's what I guess happy hour is going to be for. Exactly. So anything we missed, hit us at happy yeah, hour or, and we'll do our best. Or if best. you thought I went too easy on Matt in this conversation, come on happy hour. Get after him. Totally. Bring it. Let's Bring it. it. All right, folks. And that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Matthew Manzer for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. As in Wednesday the 25th, happy hour, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>